Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, everybody? How we doing today? So glad you're with us. I want to take a moment and welcome all of our physical locations and those who are with us online. So glad you're here. Today, we are continuing our series on the book of Acts. And my name, by the way, is Joey, and I am the lead pastor here. And uh, we're walking through the book of Acts this summer. And have you enjoyed the series so far? Good. I'm so glad. Uh, another good one uh, today. And uh, I, I, think, I think you're really going to be uh, blessed. But um, have you ever received uh, a phone call uh, that you didn't want to take, but you knew you kind of had to? Anybody been there? Like you see it pop up. She's like, every day, like every day. My children call me. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you right now because you're asking me to pick you up and drive, you know, 23 miles. You know, whatever it is, right? You get a, you get a phone call, you don't pick it up. Well, uh, you remember the, the, those dark days early on in the pandemic where, where um, you know, the whole world shut down. And uh, remember when they shut down the NBA? I knew when, when basketball closed down, I was like, man, this is, this is like, wow, they're messing with us. So anyway, so, so I, I gather our staff together and I give this grandiose speech, you know, we got to get ready. Let's hunker down. You know, we're going to move the church forward no matter what, all this stuff. Well, it was a great little meeting, very inspirational. Pastor Derek, our worship pastor, comes up to me after and he says, Pastor, uh, just so you know, you approved a vacation uh, next week. And I'm like, well, Derek, the whole world's like, you know, they're like going to cancel your flight. And if you don't get back here, I'm going to lose my mind. And I was like, are you sure you need a vacation? Uh, he's like, absolutely, I need a vacation, you know. And so anyway, I was like, bro, you ha I don't care what happens. If your flight gets canceled, you got to drive back. Fine. Well, it's about a week later. It's about 10 o'clock at night. I get a phone call. <laughs> Who do you think it is? Pastor Derek calling me and, 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 and he's got Xavier, okay, Pastor Xavier. He's got him uh, merged in. So I don't know why Xavier's on the call. And Derek sounds like a, like a five-year-old who's just got in trouble. <laughs> pastor, Pastor, I, I just, I'm so sorry, but I mean, I, I, I can't get back. You know, my flight's canceled. And, and, and I said, we're gonna have to rent a car. He's like, well, I ran out of money. Like I don't have anything left. So I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> And I said, I don't know why Xavier's on this phone call. I said, but he's going to be the one to go drive you and get you. So be ready. And I don't know how long it takes to get to Dallas, Texas. Be ready in 18 hours, you know, whatever. And they're going on for, for like, I don't know, like 20 minutes. And like, I'm getting more and more irritated as I listen. And I should have known because, and single ladies, you should know this. Pastor Derek's never out of money, okay? He always got a little, okay. Okay, so just in case. You wanted to shoot your shot, you'll be taken care of. And so, so any, anyway, um, so finally they're just giggling like little 16 year old girls. And I'm like, and I'm, and now I'm even more mad. Like I'm just, and so they pranked me. Derek was home already. And, uh, and so anyway, um, I just wanted to confess that I've been mad about that for a couple of years. And, 
That's it. So have a great day. But no, I think there is a spiritual parallel to it. Um, honestly, I think a lot of us, um, I, I think the idea of, of being welcomed, received, being contacted by God. Uh, some of you feel like you, your whole life has been a mess and so you're not worthy of interaction. And you think that if God were to speak to you, talk to you, welcome you, invite you, use you, you would think that God was pranking you. You would think that God wasn't being honest. Surely this cannot be the Lord. And I'm just here to tell you today that, that God is not a respecter of persons in the sense of you need to have some pedigree or you need to have all the things together. God will call you and reach out to you and invite you and use you despite what your life has looked like. I believe that God is always calling. The question is, is are you answering? And God's not playing games. God wants you. And so today I want to preach a message. I want to title it, Answering the Call. Answering the call, look at someone next to you and tell them, I will always answer your call. And if you want to go out with that person, tell them I'll definitely answer your So I wanted to make a joke about how my wife never answers the phone. And, and I go, why do I provide you a telephone? But, but anyway, so we're going to go Acts chapter nine today. And, and we're going to uh, walk through the, the story where, where Saul gets converted to Christianity. And eventually Saul becomes uh, Paul and uh, there's, there's a lot there as to why. I don't want to get into that today, but I think I just want to kind of give you the end uh, b before I, I, I give you the whole picture. Saul becomes a believer and his life changes forever. And you and I are different because of what happens in Paul's life. It's, it's miraculous. This story uh, is, is really embodies the hope for all of us that the gospel works and that Jesus is here today and right now to do the work in you. And so we're going to go Acts chapter 9 verse 1. The Bible says this, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Remember, he led the charge for Stephen, the first martyr to be killed. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what they would call Christianity back then. I like it, to the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. So this was not a prank call. In fact, I just want to note that when Christians are persecuted and treated unfairly, it is actually Jesus whom they are hurting. 
Why? Because we are his children. And the Bible gives imagery that, that in a sense, the church is the bride of Christ. It is Jesus' prized possession. And it's not that Christianity is a, an, an, a non or unmasculine thing. It is this analogy and imagery that God loves us so much and that he, he, he makes the most value out of us. Therefore, we are his bride and he's committed fully to us. There are believers, by the way, all over the world, whether in the Middle East or you name it, who are treated unfairly, who are persecuted and killed for their faith. We don't talk about it enough. And it's actually just people's bodies that are being harmed because the truth of the matter is it's, it's, it's really Jesus who is being hurt. Because when you mess with Christians, you're messing with Jesus. Verse six, now get up and go into the city, Jesus continues, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So remember, Saul was literally hauling Christians out of their homes and gatherings, out of the temples, killing them and taking them to jail. He was angry. He was murderous. He was on a mission to end what was the beginnings of Christianity. He was also highly intelligent. He had a very zealous, traditional Jewish view. He had a belief in Jehovah, but a rejection of Jesus, okay? There are a lot of people who have this, okay, maybe God is real, but I've rejected Jesus and it shows up in a brokenness with inside their heart and life. But then out of nowhere, Jesus stops Saul and decides to save this crazy person. I think it's very interesting that God, in a sense, makes him blind. I mean, this is not a good thing that happens to you when you go blind. However, I want to also note that sometimes the things that happen to you can be good for you. A lot of us get too hung up on the trouble in our life instead of noticing that this could be something God is allowing or doing to get my attention to go back towards him. You might be going through something awful right now. Could that be an alarm system from heaven saying, hey, pay attention. You need to get your life right. I want you to think about this moment like this, okay? If somebody hated my wife and kept harassing her, accusing her, causing her pain and making my wife's life a living hell, that would be hurtful to me. Would you agree? What if they did the same to my kids? Uh, that would be next level. But then what if with great compassion and, and, and a ridiculous love, what, what, what if I, instead of responding to that person with revenge, hurting them, 
locking them up, you name it. What if instead I invite them into my home? What what if instead I begin to love them so fiercely that it forces them to change who they are? Can I, can I just for a moment, for a moment, can I maybe submit to you that is exactly what is happening to Saul right now? Here is this awful, murderous, horrible person who's done nothing but hurt Jesus, hurt his children, and hurt his bride. Yet Jesus says, whoa, 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 stop all that. I'm not here for revenge. I'm here for redemption. So now I will invite you in, and I will make what was my enemy a general in my mission. That's the grace of God, the mercy of God. And honestly, just for 30 seconds, can we thank Jesus for his grace and his mercy and his love that I used to be lost, but now I'm found that my sin honestly was just as bad as Saul's and he forgave me and cleansed me and he calls me brother, son, and the bride of Christ. Honestly, I don't think, I don't think we really ponder enough about how vast, and great, and marvelous, and majestic, and huge, and fierce, God's love truly is. For forget the fact that, that God sends his one and only son, his, his, his pure, spotless, perfect price. He sends Jesus who had to come to pay a price for our sin. Forget the fact that God releases Heaven's darling, all of greatness of glory. He, he, he sends Jesus to us. Forget even that. I think what's even crazier is the fact, well, maybe don't forget that, but in addition to, I think what's even crazier is that you and I, literally in our sin, whether we think so or not, we are enemies of God. We put Jesus on the cross. Our pride put Jesus on the cross. And the Bible says that, Bible says that if we hate our brother, it's like we're murderers. And so there's no way around the fact that we are red stained guilty. And yet, because of his fierce love, even though we've harassed Jesus, the church, We've lived a life only pleasing to our flesh. We lived a life in pursuit of only satisfying ourselves. Even in the midst of that, God goes, I still want you and I'm calling you. Will you answer me? That's what's happening with Saul. Saul goes on to write this later when he renames himself to Paul in Romans 5.10. He says this, for if while we were God's enemies, We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? See, he so clearly understands this later on because he was dead in his sin and Jesus stops him and Jesus' death and the blood of Jesus covers Saul. But then Saul experiences Jesus alive, his life. And I just want to encourage you today that that Jesus is alive. He's living. He didn't just live, die, and stay in a grave. He's been resurrected. 
and he still lives and he sends his spirit to live in you and through you so that all the things that Saul might have been able to become in Paul, he accomplishes through the power of Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, and that same possibility is available for you. I think the point I'm making is, is the gospel and Jesus is for anybody. That's really what I'm, what I'm trying to say. If, if God can choose to save someone so dark and hateful and angry and prideful and violent as Saul, then God can save and redeem and love you too. And that's worth giving God a praise at every location. Uh, you came in here today. And you're like, there's no way, like, like somebody invited me or, or, or you came in here today because whatever reason or you're sensing in your heart or, or in your life, maybe something needs to change, but you're, you're listening to the music and you're like, man, I feel something. What that is, is it's the same spirit of God that saved and drew Saul to himself. He's drawing you to himself now. You are not disqualified from the mercy of God. You're not. I could, I could go, I could go and pick people out at every location. I could pick somebody out in this room who's been saved and redeemed by Jesus and I could tell their whole story. And some of you, some of the stories in here, your mouth would drop to the floor. And somehow, somehow God, not just can, but chooses to save, love and redeem the furthest? I'm here to tell you you're a candidate today for the love of God. Thank you, Lord. But you have to answer. You get one life. And sometimes we don't know when that life expires. Jesus is calling. Will you answer his call? Verse 10, and this is really the second part of the sermon I wanted to preach, verse 10. And the Bible says in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Now, I know you're confused because you've never missed a week of the series. Uh, and, and so you're like, well, what about the Ananias in chapter five who didn't fulfill his here to stay commitment and dropped dead? You didn't think that was funny? Okay. It's just a joke. Well, this is a different Ananias. Okay. This is a different Ananias, but here Ananias is and I want you to notate something that Ananias is not an apostle. He's not a prophet. He's not an evangelist. He's not a teacher. He is not, he, he doesn't hold status. He's not a deacon, elder. He, he doesn't hold any status in the church. He's just a regular old dude who just kind of, in a sense, 
being available to God, minding his own business, whatever he was. He was a contractor. He was a salesman. He was a administrator, a teacher. I don't know what he was. It doesn't matter. I think what I'm trying to say is, is he was not someone who held a title and yet God chose to speak to him. And so God speaks to him and what Ananias has going on is what I like to call active listening. Can I teach you about active listening for a second? As Christians, we must have an expectation that God wants to, one, speak to me, and two, use me. Active listening is a lifestyle of expectation. Because God will use circumstances, situations, and moments to speak to us, but a lot of us miss it because we're not active listening. We're just active doing other things. It's like this. It's like, when I'm at work, am I miserable at my job and, and am I so locked into my misery that I'm not listening that God might have me there for a reason on purpose? When I'm, when I'm driving and, or I get into an Uber, like, am I, I know I don't want to talk right now. I just want them to take me to the airport. But is it possible that God might want to do something in the middle of that moment? I was at uh, my son's uh, football practice and this lady kept talking to me. <laughs> and I'm like, lady, I'm trying to, to coach from the sidelines. And I'm, I'm trying to get my son's attention. And I'm like, and I'm like I, I've got to pay attention like stuff. But like I could feel like, like there was something there that she, she was trying to connect spiritually and she didn't know how. And I, I've been doing this long enough to know that, that oftentimes when you're disrupted or interrupted, especially when you're doing something else, it's possible that God's trying to get your attention because he wants to have a moment with you and that other person. I think a lot of us just don't have an expectation. We don't, we don't wake up in the morning going, man, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because I know anything is possible. The way some of us Christians are not speaking to those who are not believers at the moment for this particular point. But I think some of us, we show up to church, we barely make it in. We made it by the third song, maybe the last chorus. You know what that says? Besides the fact that you might have little children, it says, I'm not expecting God to do anything today. It's like, it's like, I'm going to get here just in time for the, for the, for the sermon. It's like, man, like I, I'm going to sit in that chair and just... And it's like, no, like there's gotta be a level of expectation that like, man, I'm, wherever I go, God is with me. And when the word goes forth, I know something can change in my life. When you wake up on Monday morning, stop expecting the worst to happen. Stop expecting things to fall apart. Stop dreading your job, dreading your family, dreading your kids, dreading your marriage. Like wake up and have an expectation that, you know what? Anything is possible this week. This could be the week that my family member gives their life to Jesus. This could be the week that I make the sale that I've needed to sell. This could be the week that breakthrough comes. This could be the week that I get healed or the person I'm praying for Gets healed. Like you got to wake up with this expectation that you know what? It's Monday, and while everybody else is scared, I've got expectation. When you're at work, 
tune in. Somebody needs Jesus. Will you listen like Ananias is listening? When you're at home, will you put your phone away long enough to be present with your family to speak the very words of God over your children or your spouse? Active listening, it's a choice we make. It's not that God isn't speaking. The question is, is are we listening? I'm gonna skip ahead. Verse 13. But Lord, Ananias said, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I mean, think about this from Ananias' point of view, right? Like God is telling Ananias to go minister to a guy who's rumored to have killed Christians. It's like this. It's like Ananias is probably going, okay, uh, either God is speaking or I ate the wrong mushrooms from my garden. <laughs> it's like, and honestly, like, like if I can... Be honest with you, this, this is active listening. This is hearing from God. Because what happens a lot of times is, is God will speak something. He will prompt something in your life and you're going, whoa, God, that's a little bit out of bounds. I didn't invite you to all those places. God, that one's off limits. How dare you invite me and speak to me about going outside of my comfort zone? Like you're my creator and I compartmentalize you. I worship you a little bit on Sunday. Forget about you Monday through Wednesday. Definitely Thursday and Friday, Saturday. I might go to church this week. Like God, stay in your box. How dare you? And like, honestly, this is how God will do you sometimes. He will drop in your heart something that doesn't make sense and almost seems audacious. God, no, I'm not going over to Saul's house on Straight Street to minister to the guy who's gonna kill me. You know why so many of you don't have great adventures in God? It's because you won't extend crazy faith. And so what you do is, is, is unfortunately, and I, I hate this for you. I don't want this. There, there's better for you. you. You live mundane, boring, barely make it, surviving Christian life. Where it's like, oh, I'm getting to heaven by the skin of my teeth, baby, but I'll be there. It's like, no, maybe you should think about bringing heaven to earth right now. And that happens when you allow God to get in your business and invite you to do things that may not be comfortable. Like, God, I didn't want to invite that person to church. They're my enemy. But why do I feel like you're telling me I should invite the person that nobody thinks could ever meet you? Well, that's not the mushrooms, that's God. 
I, I, I don't want to receive Jesus. I don't know what all this looks like. I don't, I don't know what this will cost me. I, I don't want to share what I have. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I don't want to give these resources. I, I, I need the money. I had other plans for the money. I don't want to go to the block group or join a block team. It's inconvenient. I don't want to disciple or mentor this person because they're a lot of work, God. You should know that. You made them. You ever, you ever played that game? I played this at a Christmas party one time where it's, it's called What's Behind the Door? where you go up and you're given like a gift. Maybe it's like a $10 gift card to Wawa. And then there's like a little curtain and they go, all right, you can trade the $10 gift card in for what's behind the door or behind the curtain. And most people will play it safe and be like, no, I'm good with my little $10 Wawa. That's a breakfast sandwich and a coffee. I'm good. But I've seen it before where somebody's like, no, I want what's behind there, right? And so they turn the little $10 gift card in and then you open it and it's like a mop. <laughs> it's just like, man, what an awful Christmas I'm gonna have, you know? But then the next person will come up and they get their little, you know, $10 gift card to Starbucks and, and they choose to play it safe and go, I don't want a mop. And then of course you gotta show them what's behind the curtain. And I seen it one time, they had the $10 and they said no. And what was behind the curtain was $200 cash. Honestly, this is how answering the call works. A lot of times it's unknown, it's unsafe, and it's even unclear. But I can promise you, God's not giving you a mop and he's not pranking, calling you. It will lead you to an adventure of faith that you can only ask, dream, or imagine. The question is, are you willing to say yes beyond your level of discomfort? Verse 17, I'm closing. Ananias, he goes and he finds Saul. He lays his hands on him, like praying for him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this. It's so significant. It's undervalued because... If you don't know, Saul goes on to be known as Paul and writes a vast amount of the New Testament. He takes great journeys of faith. He plants and helps plant many of churches and, and, and he writes instructions for us, for the church. I mean, today we practiced things that Paul writes thousands of years ago. It's powerful. And I think this moment is undervalued. And there's a line here that I think is, is so important because Ananias shows up not knowing. He hears from God and yes, God insinuates, okay, He's going to be a good guy. I'm going to use him. But like, he's got to go in faith. You can't see it. You just got to move. That's how faith works. And he shows up and, and 
Whether he was scared or not, he chooses to say these words that I think are so powerful and I wanna empower you to say to others. He says, hey, brother Saul, the same guy who was killing Ananias' brothers, sisters, family. And Ananias, because his faithfulness is to God, not to people. He says, if my life, in a sense, he's going, if, if I'm to lose my life today, I did it out of obedience and I'm good with that. And so he goes and he looks at this now blind person who clearly has had an interaction with the divine. And he says, brother Saul, he's, call, he's prophesying to him. He's calling things that are not as though they are. He's saying, hey, brother Saul, I heard something in my spirit. I saw something in my heart that tells me that you're going to be something more than you already are. And I want to say to you today, I feel and sense the same thing in my spirit. At every location, there are people seated that you're going to be something more than you already are. God's got something so much more for your life than the wondering and the questioning and the worrying and the anxiety. I'm here to call you brother. I'm here to call you up. I'm here to call you sister today because God is not done with you. to go, but you know, my family's from Philadelphia. We, we moved to Orlando, Florida when I was young. We were very nominal Catholics and no hate on our Catholic brothers and sisters, not my point. We just weren't connected to Jesus. We didn't know Jesus. And my mom was starting a business and she would go to the, the same print shop in her neighborhood and there was this woman who sang in the choir and started to befriend my mom and kept inviting my mom to church, kept inviting my mom to consider the school at the church, kept engaging my mom. That lady went to that job not to print papers, but to be an Ananias to whoever walked in the door. And that lady began to call my mom sister before she was ever sister in Christ. And if I've ever blessed your life, if this church has ever been a blessing to your ministry, honestly, we gotta go back and thank that lady who worked at the print shop that was printing papers, maybe thinking she was doing something mundane and not important, but she just actively listened and said, God, I will answer your call. And this crazy lady from Philadelphia, there's more for her than this. I'm just so thankful that that Jesus who's alive then is alive now and wants to use you today, no matter what kind of sin you came in here with, wants to save people today, no matter how messed up your life has been, wants to heal you and redeem you and renew you and use you and love you because God's got plans for you like Saul, like Paul, like Ananias. Will you answer the call? The two questions today is for the believer, will you answer the call? Will you be in an Ananias? And for the person who's like Saul, who's on his way one place, but God chose to interrupt you today right now, will you answer the call of Jesus right now?
to stop living for you and say, okay, I receive you, I agree with you, I say yes. Every person's gotta answer the call today. What will you say? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.